Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 289 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. So glad that you are here today as I talk to Kit Mayquest. And I, this is one of those episodes. It's just, it's just one of them where I fangirl out. And uh, this new book that just dropped this week is one that you should get. Just go get it. I loved it so much. I blurbed it. I was lucky enough to read it early and get asked to read it for a potential blurb and uh, couldn't stand it. It was so good. It was, I'm just going to stop. You'll hear enough of it in the interview. Uh, That's coming up. What is going on around here? Well, I am 14,000 words into the new book and I got 12,000 words in before I realized um, it wants to be in first person, which was a shock to me. I love reading first person, but the vast majority of my books 90% 90% of the fiction, 95% of the fiction I've written uh, has been in third person. I've, I think I've only written one novel in first person, and that was Stolen Things, the most recent book. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know if I love writing in first person. I'm just putting this together right now. It could be because I am also a memoirist, and I write so much in the first person when I am writing creative nonfiction. Maybe that's it. And maybe my brain doesn't actually really like divorcing uh, that part of my brain. Maybe my brain doesn't like me writing I, I, I all over the time, all over the place when I'm not writing about myself. I don't know. I'm going to think about that a little bit more deeply, but for this book, it seems like what it wants. And here's why I brought it up and here's why I wanted to mention it. This is one of those times, um, and I have seen this in newer writers, that this can throw them into paralysis. Oh my God, should this book be written in first person? Oh my God, should I stop? Oh my God, should I go back and revise so that it matches? uh, So I get rid of the third person and make it the first person. And here is what I do. And here's what I encourage everyone to do. Wherever you get an idea like this, try it. What I do is I make a post-it, you know, I make a post-it and I also write all in caps in the document, something like now trying first person. And that's what I did. I tried first person and it just felt so much better. And now I am moving forward through the book, pretending like the entire book is fixed. That all those, you know, the first 10% of the book, which I will have to fix to first person, which is just one of those irritating little tasks because you've not only got to change the she's to eyes, but you've got to change um, subject, verb, agreement, those kind of things. So that'll be a lot of nitpicky details later, which I will get into later when I am not in first draft mode anymore. First draft mode means I have my first draft hat on and my first draft hat tries not to let the editor into the room at all. The editor, well, she always gets in somehow and she starts chipping away at me that I'm doing it wrong. Uh, But then I ask her, to sit quietly over in the chair over there while I just write a thousand or 2000 words today. And then she can have her say, but when I'm in first draft mode, I don't turn the editor on as much as possible. Therefore I keep moving forward wherever I am. And in fact, this first draft, no, sorry, this first 
person idea occurred to me yesterday. Switch to first person, working great. Today, <laughs> I had the terrible thought run through my head, oh God, should it be in present tense? And even though I'm making a hash out of the first draft, because that's what we do with first drafts, I just let myself try it in present tense. And it didn't feel right. And I cannot tell you why. There is nothing right or wrong about first, second, or third person. And there is nothing right or wrong about past or present tense. And don't let anyone tell you that there is. There used to be this bias that good writing, literary writing had to be third person past the end. That's all we're going to say about it. And there's your, if you Google for this, you will always find the myth that says first person present tense is bad writing. Tell that to Ocean Vuong. Tell that to a million other people, none of whom are popping to mind right now, who write in first person present tense. There are no rules. It's what you want and what the book wants. I think it's actually more about what the book wants. And currently my book wants first person past tense. So I tried the present tense for a while, stopped. I will fix all of that later, not now, because my job is to just keep moving forward through this story, which I do not understand yet. And it makes me very nervous. And all first drafts for me feel like walking a tightrope, strung between two immensely tall buildings in high Wellington winds. It's very uncomfortable. I don't like it, although sometimes I love it. A lot of times I love it, but on principle, I don't like it at all because I like certainty and I have very little certainty when I am writing first drafts and that sucks. And it is the point. The whole point is learning how to be comfortable with this discomfort. And, and I'm practicing it every day. I sat down this morning and I thought, boy, do I not want to write? Boy, do I not want to write today? And then my next thought was, uh, yep, that's discomfort. What do we do with discomfort? Yeah, we show up and we do a little work. So that's what I did. And I got my 2000 words done. And then I went to the swimming pool because, um, you know, I talk about swimming on this show and how much I love to swim and how I have been ocean swimming here, open water swimming. But I got to tell you, it's cold and it's a little nerve wracking because I swim by myself and I'm not giving it up. In fact, I'm going ocean swimming with a friend on Saturday. But I have I joined the pool system, the Wellington City Council pool system. They have seven pools and I have tried two. And the one I went to today on my lunch break was so beautiful. And it's the one that makes me really nervous. I have this thing. I don't know if I've talked about it on the show and I'm sure you will not be surprised, but I get very nervous doing anything for the first time. That includes uh, dumb things. I'm telling you, like going to the grocery store for the first time, going to a, a new grocery store for the first time, going to this new pool, which is called Freiburg. And it's the big, grand, huge, gorgeous pool where everybody goes, where I will definitely have to share a lane. Sharing lanes is a brand new thing for me, um, which makes me very nervous. I have a deep need to get things right when I'm out in public, which is also something I'm working on. Uh, but it took a lot of guts for me just to drive to Freiburg today and where am I going to find the parking meter? Okay. I found a parking meter. Where's the front door of the gym. Okay. I went in and I showed them my badge and then I got to go for a swim and it was fantastic. And I swear half of the giddiness I feel right now is not just from the fantastic, beautiful exercise that I got in the 
aquatic medium that I love. Um, but it's also the relief that now I can do it anytime I want. Cause I know how it works and I know where to park. Um, I used to, this is true. When I was in grade school, I would very little grade school. We're talking kindergarten, first grade, second grade. Every single day I would go onto the blacktop as soon as I arrived and I would find the teacher on duty that morning and I would tug on her jacket and I would say, do I have a substitute today? And whoever was on duty got used to me doing this every day and they would be able to tell me, yes, Mrs. Boonstopple is here today. You're fine. Or no, I'm sorry, Mrs. Boonstopple real name, um, isn't here and you have a substitute. And at that point, I think I would go into just total shutdown because it was something new. I would have to deal with something or someone new. And my, my anxiety about that has never gone away. However, I will bring this back to writing and say that my ability to hold the discomfort, to find some comfort in the discomfort has gone up. So I knew today that I would not like going to Freiburg pool for the first time. And I also knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that I would enjoy it and that I would feel relief. Just like I enjoyed writing this morning and I felt relief after I'd done it that I could check it off my list of what I had done today. So that <laughs> basically I've given you my day in a nutshell today. Uh, you're welcome. What else is going on around here? Um, that's about it classes are going great. I would like to thank some new patrons, um, Maria Monteruli and Darren McDonald and Stephanie Diane. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on the Patreon. It means the world to me. Uh, and you know that, and I am so grateful for all of you for allowing me the time to sit at my desk and bring you these interviews like this one. I'm going to bring you right now with Kit and here is Kit's bio. A fan of everything spooky and indulgent, Kit Maquist is a bisexual transmasculine writer who can be found in the historic shadows of Boston, Massachusetts, hunched over his desk with a sullen Persian cat in his lap and surrounded by antiques. He has an MA in medieval history from the University of Iceland, right? Uh, and a BA from Portland State University. And if you ask him, yes, Stumptown will always have the best coffee. Tripping Arcadia is his debut novel. And you are really going to enjoy this interview and I hope the book. All right, y'all. I wish you, in whatever stage you are with your writing, very happy writing. We'll talk soon. This episode is brought to you by my book, Fast Draft Your Memoir. Write your life story in 45 hours, which is, by the way, totally doable. And I tell you how. It's the same class I teach in the Continuing Studies program at Stanford each year. And I'll let you in on a secret. Even if you have no interest in writing a memoir yet, the book has everything I've ever learned about the process of writing and of revision and of story structure and of just doing this thing that's so hard and yet all we want to do. Pick it up today. Well, hello. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. May I please have you give us your name and your pronouns, please? Yes. My name is Kit Mayquist and my pronouns are he, him. Thank you. Kit, I loved your book. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to wax rhapsodic before we started chatting. So I, I cut myself off and we hit the record button. So um, I just want to explain for people listening, what sometimes happens is a an editor will reach out to your editor and then that editor will contact you and say, one of my writers is writing a book. Would you like to read it for a possible blurb? And I always say yes. And most of the time, 
they're great books and that's fantastic. But your book kit, I loved, I fell into it head over heels. We're going to talk a little bit about what it is about. Um, but to me, it was this darkly atmospheric Gothic. Would you call it a Gothic? Yes, I would. Yeah. So it's a, it's a contemporary Gothic. Oh, okay. Good. So, yeah. So, um, what tripping Arcadia is, is a very Gothic novel, but it just takes place in our present day. So it takes place in present day Boston. And that was something that I really wanted to write and that I really wanted to do was take all these wonderful Gothic themes and kind of apply them to the the day and age that we're living in. Um, and some very real issues that we're kind of having. Yes, yes, definitely. And you do that brilliantly and beautifully and completely. I was completely captivated. Um, Also, your language lends itself to the Gothic genre, period. Have you heard that? Do you know that about your own (laughs) diction, word choice, verbiage, all of those words? Yeah, I've heard that. Um, And I think part of that is intentional. um, And part of it is just kind of osmosis. Like I've just, I love reading Gothic books. I kind of grew up on them. And I'm always reading, um, you know, these very dark and lyrical um, books. And I think in a lot of ways that kind of shaped how I write Um, but it's also the kind of book that I wanted to write. So part of it was very conscious. I wanted to use that kind of archaic feeling language um, in this contemporary setting. I think it's true to our um, narrator, Lena, but it's Mm -hmm. also just something that was something I I wanted to play with a little bit. And so I'm so glad that you think that it it worked. (laughs) I think it was a risk that paid off in huge dividends. Just um, the, the, it was almost jarring in this gorgeous way. And then I was just in, I was so hard in, um, readers, readers, uh, sorry, listeners know when I, when I am being passionate about a book and people, you all need to go out and get tripping Arcadia, which will be out by the time this podcast airs, but is not out yet. So before we jump into the questions, how are you feeling about your debut book coming out in (laughs) just a few weeks as we are recording? Yeah, I think we're down to like, um, yes, three, three weeks or so. And it's, um, It's so strange. I mean, this is my debut novel, so I don't really have any experience with publishing before this. Um, And I think I I kind of reach this kind of fog after edits and everything were done where Mm -hmm. I feel like I don't know where the last year or so went, you know, (laughs) like nine months to a year um, because I was living in this book for so long, you know, not yeah. just while I was writing it, but while I was editing it and, and through this whole process. And so it's been interesting now that um, we're getting closer to publication and it's, it's uh, I don't know, it still feels like a bit of a dream, like a dream come true, like in a good way, but it's, it's like, I can't, I can't believe this is actually happening. So oh, it's exciting. To be, to be able to walk into a bookstore and see your book on the shelves. I cannot wait for that to happen to you. I'm so excited. Yeah. Such a good feeling. Was Stephanie Kelly your editor? Yes. Before she left. She's fine. She was my editor for my last two books and I just Ah, love her. Love her. Um, She's phenomenal. Are you working on anything now? I am. I am working on a number of things because I'm, I'm one of those writers who always has too many pots on the stove. Um, And so, yeah, so I've got, 
I, on any given day and wherever my brain is between three and five projects that I'm currently working on. So um, we'll see which of them becomes a book shape before the others. But um, yeah. Well, that leads directly into my next question then, which is what is your writing process? You are obviously not a person who sticks linearly to the one book until it is done. How, no. do, how, does, how does that, what does this look like for you on a day-to-day practice basis? Yeah. So I, I always wanted to be a writer who was good with structure. Um, and cause that's, that tends to be like how I operate in my day job. I really like mm. the structure and planning and organizing. Um, but really I am, I'm, I've realized over the years that I'm more of a writer who does nothing for three months and then spends 48 hours writing 10,000 words. And, you know, yes. that's kind of just yes. how it goes for me. Um, I tend to take a, a long break from a project and then dive right into it and obsess over it and can't even like stop thinking about it to, to sleep. So um, that's kind of my writing process is I always try to be like having things going, um, but I'll, I'll always have more than one project open and kind of wherever my passion is for that day, wherever that spark of inspiration is for that day, that's the one that I'm going to be um, focusing on to the best of my abilities anyway. I love that you're saying this because it is, I, I love it when people talk about advice that is not the norm, which is, you know, sit down every day and spend 45 minutes on it um, because that does yeah. work for some people and it does not work for other writers. And I think it's, mm-hmm. it can be detrimental for people to hear that over and over again, because other processes like yours works beautifully. So mm-hmm. when you do sit down, when you are, when you have the time to write and you're pulled toward a project, are you um, more of a plotter or a discovery writer? Do you have a set number of words that you want to hit in a day? Do you mm-hmm. give it a time or is it just more like a feeling? So one thing about the way that I write is um, I tend to, before I even begin writing, spend a day or a week or however long it takes. And I have to tell myself the story from like beginning to end before I even write like the first paragraph of it. And how do you Um, tell it to yourself? I mean, (laughs) usually it's um, just kind of, I mean, like stripping Arcadia started because I was um, literally like on bed rest recovering and um, was laying on the couch, bored out of my mind. And I just, I came up with the the darkest moment of the book possible. And I was like, how do we get there? And so I just oh, went back and I told I myself that. the whole story from beginning until, until that point. Um, and that's kind of been my process ever since then is I kind of will usually start like all this idea for the the dark moment or sometimes just the actual the ending like the the end of the mystery or, or you know this horrible scene where everyone is crying and no one is happy and that's kind of my happy place um uh, and too. i <laughs> yeah so i start with that and then i'm like okay but how do we get here and i just literally like grab a coffee or make a pot of tea and i just sit down and i do nothing but like close my eyes and just try to retrace the story and then i <sighs> come out of that and I end up writing like a 20 page outline, which my agent hates um, <laughs> because um, they're like, we can't submit a 20 page outline. And I'm like, but it's literally 20 pages, single space nonetheless. And so like, it's basically the whole story yeah. and they're like, but we need the actual story. And I'm like, it's there, but yeah. So 
Um, so, but that that's, I think, what allows me to then just sit down and when I have that inspiration or when I get that idea for a scene or when I know how to pick up and like the characters come back to life for me, then I can just go to that point in the outline that I've already written because I already know the story. So I can kind of just like pick it up wherever and mm. write until I, I run out of steam for it. Um, and so oftentimes that results in a lot of a lot of editing, you know, because I kind of yeah. write it in these giant puzzle piece chunks um, that follow along with the outline, but they don't really connect, you know? So then I spend the time doing that connecting part. Um, but yeah, I have a very chaotic style of drafting, I think. I have a, this is totally a selfish question on my part, because I have also a very chaotic style, but also no plotting usually. And I'm starting a new project next month and I would love a little bit more structure as usual, but I'm loving what you're saying that I've never heard anybody say. Many people say, you know, I know, I know the ending and I work backward from there. I've never heard anybody say, I knew the dark moment and mm -hmm. I walked back from there because that sometimes is the most difficult place to get to. But mm -hmm. if you start there, okay. I just like yeah. fireworks are going off in my brain right now. Yeah. What well, is I, your, yeah, go on. I was just going to say like, I think the reason why I love that is because, um, it's usually going to be your character's emotions like at their highest yes. point. And if you can conceptualize like a scene that knowing nothing is gut-wrenching for you and makes you understand every single character in that scene, then like that's usually what tells me like, okay, I have something and I have enough to go on to kind of go back from there. You know, so I think that's the reason why it's like if it grit if it gets my attention, chances are then like. I know I have something, you know. And that particular dark moment in your book was really dark. <laughs> and I like dark. I'm literally wearing a t-shirt with a rainbow on it that says someday we'll all be dead. Like that's <laughs> that's brilliant. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um I may yeah. I may try that on Monday, honestly. I will let you know how it goes. Um Great. what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Um I think there's a couple of things. I think for me, um, a lot of times it can be that um, because I know the story, and this is this is kind of the fault of my process, because I have already told myself the story and I'm already so deep into it before I really begin that writing. Um, after everything is kind of said and done, and I think I have a draft, it's... Um, I have a big problem with kind of missing information or I know yeah. something in my head, yeah. but I've forgotten to kind of reveal it or I've, um, you know, I, I'm so deep into it. It's hard to tell where to draw the breadcrumbs and things like that. Um, and so that, that part of the writing process tends to be both the most like agonizing for me and also the thing that takes the longest because even during that editing process, you know, my editor can be saying, we need to know this. And I'm like, but, you do know this and it's I like, showed you I yeah and so but it's like <laughs> I know this actually right I forgot to actually say this yes um and so I, I tend to have a big problem with that and so my my editors are phenomenal um and and so is my agent as well and um they all kind of help me <laughs> with that um being like Kit we you forgot to say this I'm like okay you're right <laughs> um so or I, I think something is really suspenseful and like really like you know, you're, you're gripping your seat and they're like, 
you went from zero to 90 and we kind of need to to slowly ramp it up there. And I'm like, okay, well, you know. I, w- I would love uh, to point out too that this is where the the glory and the majesty of of editors, of professional yes. readers, not just not just yes. your pals, not just your writing cohort, but but professionals in the industry. They are the ones who can best point that out to us because we cannot exactly. see it. We can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is it's wonderful. And I think a lot of the you know conversations around um what got tripping Arcadia to the point where it is today um, came from those kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, you know, I owe, I owe a lot to my agent and to my editors and to everyone who's worked on this book for their, their feedback in that regard. Cause I know it's a weak spot of mine and I can always be working on it, but I'm, I'm definitely someone who I get so deep into it. Yeah. And especially when you're doing editing rounds, it's just the, it's one of those things where the more you edit and the more you're in it, it's actually just putting you deeper into it. Mm-hmm. So you can't really solve your own problems anymore. Um, because so, you've yeah, literally really thought is. about that problem 150 times. You've mm-hmm. put it in, in different ways, 72 times, and you've stripped it back 71 times, but you don't remember like what uh, that half a sentence means everything to me, but it mm-hmm. won't to the person yeah. reading it, to the, to the, yeah. to the editor who is able to yeah. uh, pick that up. Who's your agent? Just out of curiosity. My agent is um, Amy Norsom Higdon um, oh, at the oh Westwood Creative um, Artists. I have heard of that, but I haven't heard of them. That's yes. awesome. Um, what is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? I think it's when everything kind of does come together. Um, and I think I, on the smallest level, my biggest joy is actually just when like, a sentence comes out just right. Mm. And like, that's enough to like, encourage me to keep going with it. Um, Or, you know, there are just some sentences that spark kind of everything. Um, And what, I mean, for example, like the thing that really, after I told myself the story of Tripping Arcadia, just sitting there, I didn't, I probably sat with it for days and then I didn't actually start writing until it just came to me like that first line, which has stayed the first line um, the entire time, like since the very first draft. Very is, uncommon. The death is sweet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It's so good. And it sets you up for everything in the story too. It's not mm-hmm. a throwaway line by any means. Yeah. That is so very cool. Okay. Um, can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? I think... It would be kind of going back and, and saying, you know, if you're stuck or if you don't know really where to begin, try just thinking of the darkest moment, like put your characters in the worst situation or start with a, you know, a, a scene or anything. It doesn't even need to be something you think is going to end up being a part of the book, but just imagine a scenario where all of your characters' emotions are at their absolute height or yes. at their worst or their saddest or, you know, something. Or all of those really, things. Or yeah. all of them, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, if you can see that and even if it's just you write 300 words of it or 200 words of it, but if it's enough, like, that can often get you where you need to go. And that can that can, you know, either be the thing that, um, ties a scene together for you in a way you didn't think about, or it can um, encourage you on a day where you have writer's block or when the words just aren't coming 
um, make your characters miserable and see what happens. <laughs> and, um, you know, you never know. I think um, maybe it's because I am a Gothic writer and I just naturally like darker stories and I like reading books where people are miserable and crying and haunted by things. Um, but I think it's, it's an emotion that everyone understands and it's a really easy way for you to connect to your characters. Um, so if, you know, if you're stuck or anything, I, I really recommend just put your characters through hell and see what happens. I'm going to, I'm going to die on this hill because sometimes I have students who come to me and say, but you know what? I just don't really want anything bad to happen in my book. Really bad. Um, so I think you and I are on the same side of, we want the, the worst thing to happen. Um, how would you encourage the writer who says, I just don't know if I can do that to my character? Yeah. Um, there is one of my favorite examples is actually, cause I, I have um, friends who also like, they, they don't like the dark things <laughs> and um, it's okay. But think of like the worst day you've had, like when you miss the train and you drop your coffee and there's too many people in line and literally you've only been awake for an hour, but your <laughs> like frustration level, like you're just, you just want to scream um, that write that like, it's not devastating. But it's also a very relatable thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm in Boston. So like, I, I'm just describing the morning I had already. So, um, but like, <laughs> you know, the, the, the scene, like the scene where Lena forgets um, her card is oh, yeah. too, too much of that is real. So, <laughs> um, you know, it comes from a true place. So oh you know, even if you don't want to, to write your character genuinely devastated, or you don't want to put them through hell or a breakup or uh, you know a death or anything like that just go to like your worst day you know think of a like a span of an hour where things escalate from like i'm happy i'm fine to one bad thing and you know that's that's also enough that's also devastating yeah. in a way yeah to the point where i cannot hold i can no longer hold it together how did yes. you get there and what did that look like that's yeah really really useful Thank you. Yeah. I would love to know what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way. Um, so I think this is actually something that I, I've come to terms with um, more and more over the past year or so. But, um, and I think uh, it, something that, that did happen um, is my, my father passed away last month. Oh, I'm and sorry. thank you. Um, and I, that kind of helped me realize that everything I write, including the things that um, I have in the works now, and even like Tripping Arcadia, um, I am a writer who's deeply shaped by kind of um, grief and expectations of mm. grief and kind of someone's own relationship to family and to their health and their body. Um, and they, you know, I think there's so many different ways to explore grief without someone dying. And then um, there's, there's so many different levels to it. And um, I did not realize that this was something that was kind of infused into everything that I wrote, um, but it, it absolutely is. Mm -hmm. And I think it doesn't 
always need to be such a sad thing, but it's um, definitely something that I think is deeply influential to me, I think. And um, so that's, yeah, not, not necessarily the happiest answer, but is I think someone, I'm someone who that's been very true for. Um, and, you know, I think um, as hard of a topic as it is, it's also a very relatable topic. Yeah. And um, it's especially in the times that we're living in right now. I mean, we live in a world surrounded by grief. And uh, so it's, it's something that I've reflected on a lot, but am ultimately grateful to have as an influence in what I do. I think that answer is incredibly beautiful. And I, I resonate with it so, so much. My, my core stories are the mother daughter relationship and grief. And both of those things are super, super linked for me. And um, what you said about the expectations of grief. And then I was thinking about the main character in tripping Arcadia and the shape of loss is in there, even if it's never directly looked at, but it's, it was, it's in there underpinning your book. Um, The holes that Lena is, is missing and is reaching for in these other two characters and what she wants. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's so well done. And, and you have put your finger on why I loved the book so much um, because of that echo of grief, which I think is one of the most Mm -hmm. beautiful things that we have as, as a human being. It makes us who we are. If we're able to look at it and some people um, don't want to look at it and they will opt out of our books. (laughs) It's a self-selecting group. Mm -hmm. I I do also want to say, you know, grief isn't always a person. Um, For Lena, it's, it's grieving the loss of opportunity, the loss of the future that she imagined, the loss of um, relationships and, you know, the loss of, understanding her place in the world and and you know um there there's so many different levels to uh grieving that it doesn't necessarily need to be linked to a person yeah um, but we can grieve so many different things in our lives and um you know loss is loss and there's so many different ways that we can respond to that um but I, yeah i just just want to to add that to that there's, there's so many different ways to explore grief. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I hope that you continue to do that work. And it sounds like you are so good for, good for us readers. Um, moving topics gently. What is the best book that you've read recently and why did you love it? Um, gosh. So, (laughs) um, I, I have not been doing a ton of reading very lately because of just debut year and <laughs> yeah uh, everything. Um, but I, let's see. Um, let me, let me think. Let's see. I know um, that one that was really kind of comforting to me a couple of months ago was First Become Ashes by K.M. Spara. Um, it is a, um, I think it's still futuristic, so sci-fi in a sense, um, kind of 
fantasy-esque novel, but it deals with um, trauma and uh, understanding your place in the world. And um, I you know, highly recommend it um, for having a really good kind of representation of um, marginalized identities and um, you know, having trans characters and um, poly characters and just a lot of um, things that you don't normally get to see in a novel like that. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it was very, um, it was very kind of comforting and it was a good book to get lost in. So, um, and that was called, um, sorry, say it again. First Become Ashes First Become by K.M. Spara. Okay. Fabulous. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And then the other one that's a little bit closer to TA vibes is I've recently just been reading a lot of Lucy Foley. So I just finished The Hunting Party, which is um, just Oh, I read that. That was, I was like, I don't think I've read Lucy Foley, but I read that one because it all came back when you said the title. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a good one to kind of get lost in, uh, in winter. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Super super cold. I'm remembering that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, can you now tell us a little bit more about um, Tripping Arcadia? Maybe give us the logline for it and where it can be found. Gosh, um, I put you on the spot. <laughs> I, I know. I'm like, do I even know my logline at this point? Um, I'm going to actually start by just pitching it with the exact same way I got my agent with this book, which yes, please. Um, is <laughs> uh Basically, if you like crying or boys crying in greenhouses, um, <laughs> and I literally like That's tweeted fantastic. this late at night, just I tweeted into the darkness, just saying, all right, if there's any agents out there that want sad boys crying in greenhouses, please. And my agent just replied with, yes, what age group? And, you know, I mean, the rest is history, but um, it was like my last my last chance. And I just was frustrated and I tweeted and, and it wasn't even pitch that. wars or, or, nope. or manuscript wish list or anything like that. Oh nope. my God. It just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, it's fantastic. And I that love is that. So I, always cool. like to, I always like to start with like, okay, well, if it was good enough to get my agent, then maybe it'll be good enough you know, to tell you to read this book. Um, yes. but yeah, sad boys crying in greenhouses. Um, that's tripping Arcadia, but, um, Ultimately, Tripping Arcadia is a uh, contemporary gothic that focuses on um, a young woman, Lena, um, who is a med school dropout and is um, finds herself in the employment of a very wealthy family here in Boston. And over the course of her employment, um, cares for the very ill poetic heir um, to the family and to their company. Um, and slowly uncovers that that family is kind of to blame for the ruin of her own family. And um, therefore, through a series of parties, um, begins to kind of plot her botanical revenge. Botanical revenge. Those are another two words that will light up the synapses in yeah. people's brains. <laughs> I call it my like dark Gatsby book. <laughs> so, I can see that. Yeah. I can absolutely say that. (laughs) Gothic Gatsby. That's wonderful. Okay. And where can we find you on the interwebs? So 
You can find me mostly on Twitter, though I am I am someone who's pretty bad at social media. I will say that. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at kmakewist and um, on Instagram at the same. So at kmakewist on Instagram. Thank you so much for uh, writing the book that I loved. For um, I feel I feel linked to it because I I did a blurb. You know, I, <laughs> I went to your Amazon page and there was my name, and I I took. <laughs> one one millionth of pride in being on the same page as you. So um, I'm very excited about your book and your release. And I wish you the best of success and may it fly from the shelves. I, I cannot wait to see where you go next. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Kit. Take care. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>